Best Friends Finance, because when women talk about money, it's worth a million. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Best Friends Finance. I'm Laura Ford, and I'm here today with my co-host and best friend, Amanda Kessler. We started this podcast to empower women to take control of the financial future by talking about money with friends. We're so excited today to have our favorite relationship coaches back on with us from episode 26, Sarah and Chris Helms. Hey, guys. What's up, guys? We're so happy to have you back after our last conversation about how to talk about money with your spouse or significant other uh, to avoid conflict. And today we have a super, I'm going to say hyper-relevant topic for the current time, which is financial holiday stress, how it impacts your marriage and some tips to avoid conflict. So um, welcome back, you guys. And guys, just kick us off. Why are we talking about stress when it comes to um, finances and the holidays? Well, I think the, I mean, we talked last time on our podcast that finances is like, uh, I think number two in the top five reasons that couples um, end up filing for divorce. And it's like such a major conflict area for couples to navigate. And I mean, when you start talking about the holidays, that's when you're most likely to overspend. That's when financial conversations come up. A lot of people don't prepare for them. There's just so many things that make the financial topic around the holidays just, I mean, like a bomb went off. And I think that helping couples, I mean, our goal for this is to really just help couples kind of get some tips, navigate some and understand the importance of um, ways to not make this a conflict because it doesn't have to be. You can enjoy the holidays and have joy around it. And even when you're talking about money and what you want to give to other people, which I think is the reason why people overspend for the holidays is because, I mean, there's a lot of reasons we'll go into them, but I think another one is just people want to give and they want to have fun for the holidays and they just have high expectations and it costs money. Our main goal is really just to kind of help with the awareness piece of that, but the holidays are designed to be like a fun, joyous time that you can kind of catch up with the family and, and, and buy things that you want, whether you need them or not, but it gives you the chance to really kind of enjoy that, that gift giving Mm -hmm. sensation that's kind of created from the emotional side. And Unfortunately, there's, there's a lot of couples that we meet with that it, it tends to do the opposite. It, it creates more stress. It creates a tremendous amount of anxiety. And so our goal is really just kind of help switch, flip it back to the way that it should be so you can enjoy it, be financially sound, mm-hmm. and really and genuinely enjoy the holidays and the gift-giving opportunities. You know, when you first approached us about this topic, you shared some um, statistics that were really kind of alarming, which... One was that nearly 50% of people have anxiety increased around the holiday due to pressure to overspend. And of those 50%, the majority are parents. That's not at all surprising. Laura and I both know, and you guys have a little one, but man, there is a lot of pressure to create that Christmas magic. There, Yeah, there is. And plus, I mean, think about the marketing, right? This is the time of year where you've got like a tremendous amount of marketing flooding you and all your social media platforms or Instagram. It's deals, right? Get this fabulous deal here today or by now, like that they really kind of start to flood you with those uh, emotional decisions. And so a lot of people are like, well, that's fine. Let's, yeah, it's a good deal. Maybe I should do this now. So we start acting on the emotional outcome of that, not really thinking about the financial impact it creates. And I think social media has increased those pressures. I mean, we get anxiety just comparing I mean, what we're buying for each other. I mean, kids now, I mean, you guys have older kids. I mean, they're on social media, what they're getting compared to what their friends are getting on social media. If there's some like hot toy, I mean, God forbid it sells out and then you can't give it to your kid and you're buying it off Facebook marketplace for 70% markup. I mean, like that's what happens when you want to create these special magical moments, like 
for your kids, like you said. And I think that that's a hundred percent. I'm not shocked by the statistic that the majority of people who have this stress and increased stress is parents. But I think that we can establish some expectations and some boundaries and have some awareness around it. So hopefully we can take that away. So yesterday, Laura sent me a picture off Instagram of some kind of influencer who is decorating her laundry room for the holidays. And laugh. You don't decorate the- your laundry room. <laughs> hey, who sees that? And Laura made a great point. Which do you remember what you said, Laura? What did you I said say? if you have if you have them to go decorate your laundry room, instead go decorate oh. someone's house who can't do it for themselves. Like that is ridiculous. The amount of money that people spend to decorate to have like a photo worthy post on Instagram, right? makes me crazy. It's true. This like keeping up with the Joneses culture that, I mean, started years or decades ago, I mean, was so much easier to control when social media didn't exist. Like if you were just keeping up with your neighbor, I mean, like that's one person that you're like, well, they just came home with the shiny new car. Now it's influencers on Facebook. It's your friend from back home that you haven't seen in a decade, but they posted something and it's your kids sharing things. It's this insane amount of pressure. And you were talking about money. Think about the money that, I mean, that's one side. People are spending money on these decorations. The other stat we sent you was about how much money the average family spends um, just on gifts. And it was over a thousand dollars. And the majority of the people will have overspent in November. And that's not even really Christmas time yet. And then on top of that, I mean, people think, I mean, Black Friday is this big thing. People end up spending more money on themselves on gift giving season on Black Friday and stuff like that than for other people. So a thousand dollars might be what they're spending on gifts for other people. There's probably a whole astronomical insane overflowing bucket it's that they didn't even plan one, right? for. If I yeah. spend a thousand dollars on somebody else, that means I get to spend well, two. Well I on think me, marketing right? is taken over that now because when you see stores, it's like, well buy uh buy this and you get a twenty dollar gift card for yourself to spend later. Marketing's even encouraged that now too. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys have noticed that, but so many places are like buy this, get this or restaurants. I saw I noticed a lot of restaurants doing this first like it was like buy a gift card for 50 bucks and get yourself a gift card for 50 bucks. And it, it messes with you. So, okay. Just to take this one step further too, like not just gift giving, like actually tangible gifts that you're going to wrap and put underneath the tree, but the holidays just in general are so expensive because there's parties where you're taking a bottle of wine, you're taking appetizers, you've got to take a hostess gifts and there's multiple. And I feel like, I mean, I'm guilty of this. Like I'm not budgeting that in, you know, that it adds up to 40, 50, 60 bucks just to go to one holiday party. And sometimes you're hitting two or three in a weekend. I mean, for us, we always kind of revert back to like, let's have the conversation and kind of get the elephant out in the room. I mean, sit down with the, with your partner and kind of have those conversations about, okay, Hey, here's what we're looking at this season. I know this year is probably a little bit different, but as, as a it's the years continue to go on. We'll get back to a little more sense of normalcy. Like you're right. But we start with just sit down and have a conversation with yourselves around the budgets around those pieces, your commitments to, okay, do we really want to kind of commit to this many parties? If we do, what does that look like? And then let's also talk about like, to your point, like nobody ever thinks about the the financial piece of that. They think about the, uh, the excitement of the socializing, the, the engagement between everybody. And then well, so-and-so brought like this nice gift basket. So let's try to one-up them this year and we'll bring da-da-da, right? It's inevitable. It's like it becomes a competition between some. 
but they never talk about the financial piece of it and the impact of that. I think the thing that Chris is even saying too, and just to kind of give a label to it, I think the conversation needs to start with your expectations around the holiday, especially as a couple. I mean, is your expectation to RSVP to every single holiday party? Is that social part of the holiday really important to you? Are you someone who wants to be around a lot of people and kind of needs it to have your like holiday experience really have your cup full? Or is your expectation to create this, I mean, elaborate gift giving for your family, which is fine. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I think that you need to have a conversation about your expectations and then look at the financial part of that. And then probably compromise and meet in the middle saying, you know, this expectation is a really good one, but you wanted all this stuff too. We need to give and take and kind of maybe uh, get creative with being able to still have some of your expectations brought in and adjust the finances so that maybe you can still attend five of the 10 parties that you got invited to because you really want to buy this gift for your kid this year. But I think the first thing that Chris is getting at is like, sit down and talk about your expectations. What's important to you for the holiday? What traditions are important to you? Do those traditions cost money? Do you really love getting matching family pajamas? Well, I can tell you if you do that every single year, that is expensive. And I do love doing that, but that is an expectation of mine. And then it costs money. And do you like to have, like you were talking about hostess gifts, I feel like another thing that I, I never want to be the person who like doesn't have a gift for someone if they give me something. So like, it's, I, that's important to me to kind of have like a little stockpile of gifts so that I never, I don't want anyone to ever feel forgotten about, but like, that's also an expectation of mine. And that's something that we kind of need to talk about. So I think like really diving into what's important to both of you, there will inevitably be different things. And I think that the conversation needs to um, just be met in the middle that like something that might be important to Chris might in my eyes not seem as important, but that's a, com- a communication skill that you guys have to have to just be able to hear each other out and have some empathy that maybe that's a family tradition of his that he's had since he was five. And it's really important for him. And maybe it is expensive, but you need to make sure that you're both meeting in the middle with those. It's so funny because in last week's episode with Holly, we talked about, um, you know, tips for spending less on gifts for the holidays. And one thing that we touched on a little bit that is that you guys can touch on more is when you bring two different ideas of Christmas into a marriage or a relationship or whatever your, your holiday is that you ce- you celebrate. And I shared briefly that Steve and I had very different Christmases growing up. And it's been interesting to figure out how to meld those. Um, but I will say his families were much more low key than mine. At my house, it was just a big, crazy ordeal. My mom lives for giving Christmas gifts and it was a big mountain of gifts for each person. So we were able to have a conversation with his family years ago about, hey, we're all grownups. We don't need to exchange gifts anymore, do we? No, we're all good. Mm-hmm. And I just brought that up with my brother last year. And I mean, we're in our forties. And I finally was like, do we really still need to do this? And he was so relieved. So I love how you talk about having the conversation with each other. Then do you next bring it to each other's families? If there's a way you can kind of set expectations with the the greater family. Yeah. And it's not just family. I think you could do it with friends mm-hmm. as well, but the, the families usually it tends to be a little bit harder just because it, again, you may have the ones love language where it's all just about gifting, gifting, gifting. And, mm-hmm. and when they can't do that, they feel like there's a sense, well, I have no other way to really kind of show my, my love and appreciation for you as a family member, but it's okay. Cause once you guys are on the same page, you can have the same conversation and you've got each other's back. 
just saying, Hey, look, I mean, here's where we're at. Here's what we've come to an agreement with. Like, again, like you, you, in our case, like we have a new kid. So the, the, sh- the focus is more shifted towards the little one now and less towards the, the adults and taking care of them. But at the same time, it's, that's fine, but let's kind of do it within reason. Okay. <laughs> here's kind of what we're looking at. Like, here's our thought process on what we can kind of budget. Let's not go overboard. Um, but let's do something that we know that they'll enjoy that they need. Um, like there's a couple of things that we come up with, like as far as the categories that are important, mm-hmm. that helps kind of control some of the financial cost of those things. So you're not just kind of buying previously on a bunch of stuff of like, well, I know, well, maybe this will work and maybe they like this, or I know they said this and we go buy five of these things. Mm-hmm. And we try to help narrow down the focus on maybe what those key things would be where one, they can have a, a strong impact and appreciation for the gift, but also something they're going to use. Mm-hmm. and that they need and that they want. So well, you nailed it too when you said that you like took the pressure off your brother. I think that with all the pressure that we're getting fed from so many other places that say buy more, spend more, more decorations, better things to do, RSVP to more things, more new outfits, more more more, if we can start a new conversation that says less or um just these are our holiday expectations. And if we can start those conversations, it alleviates the pressure on other people. And I think that that's the conversation we really need to start spreading more of. Like we need to drown out the noise of this more, more, more culture, especially during the holidays and just trade it out for something else. And we'll lower the pressure around everybody else if we just accept it ourselves too. Yeah, and the family ultimately appreciate that because sometimes yeah. depending on the <laughs> dynamic of the background, like some some. Um, some couples and their families, like they go over the top and like have like the big celebrations and others, not so much, but then there's a sense of trying to equal, create equal play. Mm-hmm. So like, well, I know they always do this every mm-hmm. year. So now we got to step up to the plate and do, we can't do what they're doing, but maybe we can try to match or, or kind of step up. So it creates almost some anxiety between the family as well. Yeah. But when, if you can kind of set the expectation with both of them, it, it's amazing. You can kind of see the impact that it has on like the stress and the anxiety. It, That's really true. Yeah, so much of that because you carry a lot of that. But just imagine like on the family side where you maybe have like a, a little different side to the spectrum where one tends to give like overgive and be overzealous but other things. And other ones might be a little bit more tight and don't have the ability to provide nearly as much. So it kind of alleviates, eliminates that that concern of like, well, how am I going to keep up with them? They got them this great big toy last year. Like mm-hmm. I can't afford that stuff. How am I going to like, match that. So also that it goes away from the whole purpose of the gift to, okay, I'm more concerned about keeping up with them than I am actually like providing a genuine gift. that means a lot, but as a couple, you can kind of set that parameter with the family members and my gosh, and prevent it's everything. I mean, just taking it. that conversation, if it ends up, if the, the problem ends up ripple affecting to the point where now one side of your family now feels less than than another side of your family that's impacting them. It's going to impact in-law relationships. It's going to then feed back into you guys impact your relationship. And all you had to do was just have a simple conversation or before that just talked about your expectations around gift giving. You know, what's really um, kind of interesting is I feel like you guys are setting us up for the perfect year to have this conversation with our spouse and with our extended family, because this year with COVID, I mean, you guys are in Colorado. I'm in Colorado. Right before we got on this, my husband was playing um, the live stream of Governor Polis's press conference. We are in May Day, and he was asking everyone, please stay home. Please do Thanksgiving with your nuclear family. This is life or death. You know, we're at capacity with the hospitals. So we've already set the expectation with our family that we're not going to be seeing extended family, not even grandparents, for the holidays, which is tough, but 
it it almost opens the door to the conversation like you know but let's let's talk talk about what we really love about this holiday and how we can make it more simple for everybody because it's going to be different anyway why not why not take this year as the year that you say let's look at what we really care about and how to make this uh, manageable for everybody i was going to say too i think that one you're 100% right and then people are probably wondering like well okay i like the idea of having this conversation but what do i say and how do i start that conversation how do i sit down with my spouse and have this conversation or how do i sit down with my parents and have this conversation And I think honestly, you have to sit down, spend some quality time with each other with zero distractions. I mean, come to a no judgment space, like sit down and have the agreement that like whatever is important to your spouse, you're not going to laugh at them because that holiday tradition is important to them. You're going to respectfully understand and ask more questions and, and get clarity and be curious about why this is important and and if you can find ways to meet in the middle. But I think honestly, the first question you can ask is like, what's important to you? And what are some of your like dreams and desires for this holiday season? And then make a list of them. Then go figure out how much do all these things cost? Because I think that that's the step that everyone forgets. Like Mm -hmm. people probably have no idea how much family pajamas cost. Like you could spend a hundred dollars on pajamas for people to just take a Pinterest worthy picture and I'm obsessed with them. So that will be something that we always do, but like, that's something that's important to me and we'll budget for it. Um, so I think just sitting down and just asking that simple question, figuring out how much it actually costs, and then just being honest with your, your financial situation, which like you said, right now is really hard for a lot of people. So to have that conversation and then transition it to your parents, just say, guys, like we really sat down. These are the things that are really important to us. And these are the things that we are kind of just drawing lines with that we just aren't in alignment, right? And it might be right now. Like maybe we can reevaluate this next holiday season. No holiday season has to be the same as the previous year before. Maybe you guys start a tradition where in October, you sit down and have a conversation about the expectations you have for November and December. And then you can change it up every year if there's something that you guys want to change or you didn't get to do last year that you want to do this year. So something that you just said about tradition is, you know, we change, we have found a a couple of things that really work in our family and they weren't driven by finances. It was more driven because we have adult children and then we have, you know, a nephew who's eight years old. The older your kids get, the harder it is by a 25-year-old, something that she's going to love for 20 bucks. I mean, it's just tough, right? You're giving them, they're getting Uber gift cards or, you know, Chick-fil-A gift cards or something like that. And so in order to take away some of that pressure, we just created new family traditions. So we play games, Mm-hmm. And then like my mother-in-law and I will spend a couple of hours um, trying to come up with prizes that we think, you know, the youngest will like and that my 24, 25-year-old will like. But I mean, the prizes for these games, so you're getting everybody involved in the family game and everyone has a chance to win something that's really geared for them. You know what I mean? It could be a bag of chips or their favorite candy or their favorite shampoo, but something inexpensive under a hundred dollars. And then we also play this game and it was kind of geared for, um, around like Oprah's favorite things where we all bring our one favorite thing for that year. So mine has been cheap drugstore mascara that I loved our ways to have fun Christmases just around playing games and that sort of thing and not making it all about the gift, but just about the time together. And, you know, really just pulling the fun out of everybody and getting everybody involved in doing something more than just sitting around, you know, 
counting how many gifts they have. I love that idea. And I mean, even to get more creative, if you really have gifts that you want to buy, I'm already looking on Facebook marketplace for the stuff that I want to get Addison, but getting it already secondhand, like you do not have to spend all this money that the retail industry wants you to spend. And I mean, Chris and I, this is a Dave Ramsey quote, I think, I don't remember, or maybe it's another financial book, but a deal isn't a deal if you still have to go into debt and you can't pay it off. Like Black mm-hmm. Friday is a very good deal, but it's not a deal if you're still paying for it in April. <laughs> like right. it wasn't a good deal. <laughs> not like, the kind of gift that keeps on giving. It's no. the one that keeps following you around and yeah. won't go away because you still need to pay it off. <laughs> yeah. The gift that turns into an albatross around your neck. Okay. So for those of us, for those of us with younger kids who are not quite at the point where they're going to say, yes, let's play games and bring our favorite thing, which I love, Laura. How do you manage that? How do you rein things in when it comes to gifts for kids? Because I feel like that's where a lot of families go totally off the rails, myself included. Oh, and my mother. I mean, she's a prime example. Oh, yeah. And grandparents. How do you rein in grandparents? It, it's it's hard again it's having the, the conversation with them but yeah it's like the one time a year where they feel like they can cut loose and get away with so much just by like just flooding with all the additional gifts that ultimately what happens they play with it once or twice it's off in the corner now it becomes clutter and now you're challenged trying to get rid of it so we pretty much kind of jumped in front of it because we just kind of knew what the biting patterns historically had looked like so we got on the same page mm-hmm. and we had a conversation with my mother just saying hey look it's not because again her love language is gift giving yeah like that so it was like in an actual dig at her heart when we told her that like you have to cut back on buying she like took it Right. Like, I mean, boxes yeah. were showing up every other day with, yeah. like, especially for the little one, like whether it be just like a new stuffed animal, some mm-hmm. small knickknack toy. And it's hard because like, again, especially if it's a new family or your first child mm-hmm. within the grandparents, it's like their chance, like, yeah, we're going to spoil them. It's on now. But we kind of had to step up and nip that in the butt and just say, hey, look, I mean, here's kind of the reality of what we're looking for. Here's what we need. Mm-hmm. Here's what we'd really appreciate. You're still allowed to enjoy the gift giving, but let's do it in a manner that makes sense mm-hmm. and something that she really is going to kind of enjoy. And again, in the reality is she's going to grow out of it in six months or, yeah. or nine months anyway. So you want to kind of control the volume. We send emails too. So the other thing too, is that we have oh, we do for um, two sets of divorced parents. So we have four uh, like sets of couples that end up buying for one mm-hmm. <laughs> tiny two. Holy smokes. So like, <laughs> We have, we send them emails with like specific things that each of them can get. And we give them a couple ideas. We give them like, here's a bigger gift you could give if you want to. Here are some stocking stuffer ideas. Here are things she's interested in. Like right now she likes Minnie Mouse and she's into Frozen. So we kind of say, if you're looking for little stocking stuffers, here are some good themes that she'll really like. But then we like rein it in and we cut the list off and they really know to stick to the list. Um, because we set that like expectation mm-hmm. up originally. The one thing I'm definitely going to follow, which we haven't really hit this yet, we haven't really bought gifts for Addison yet because like grandparents really take care of it, which is nice. Um, but when she does get older, I read this years ago and I always wanted to save it back in like a file in the back of my head. And I think it was on Pinterest that I read it, but they said to give your kids four gifts, something they want, something they need, something to wear, and something to read. And I loved that you get four gifts and it's not about like budget or thing. It's like, if it's something that you want and it's something that they wanted, you guys each got something you wanted. You each got something to wear. You each got something like that you need. And it might not be the cool gift. Like maybe you didn't really want the shirt, but you needed a new shirt. 
Like I always hated when I got clothes when I was like, mm-hmm. but I mean like something you need. So it's some like that. And there's end of a discussion of like, mm-hmm. I didn't get the coolest toy or they got an Xbox and it was $400, like whatever it is. Like, I just like the categories. And I think that that's something really practical for parents to kind of rein it into. You guys mentioned a stock market example. What is that? Oh yeah. So I was, um, I thought this was a really good example. A grandparent that I was um, on a, I think it was a blog I was reading her expectations from the uh, daughter was to not buy gifts. And so they gave a budget and every single year, the grandma invested it in stocks. And as the kids got older, she actually educated them on the stock market and they sit down every year. She wraps up a gift for them. And it's like their um, printout of how much money they've made that year from her investment last year. And they sit down and they talk about it. And then they get to pick out now the stocks that they actually get the money that she gives them. And so she's like educated them on the stock market as they've gotten older too, which I thought was a great idea. That's so much better than Addison hitting like the Christmas lottery and thinking that every year she's going to get, you know, 4,000 presents between all of, all of your folks and you guys. And then of course there's Santa to take into consideration. I was actually going to ask that. Why isn't someone contributing either to a 529 or something for the kid later on down the road, as opposed to a bunch of clutter in your house that she's not going to play with in a couple of months. It's a lot. Again, it's a, it's a mindset. I was going to say, I think in that generation, I think has a really hard time processing that mindset shift. It's tough because we the same thing with we 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 did just that mm-hmm. and we found it we thought it'd be pretty easy we were a little naive going into it and found out very quickly that okay we're, we're still going to receive gifts but it's the idea of like they want something tangible and a car just isn't quite enough mm-hmm. like they want something they can kind of play and interact with but then we continue to talk to them you really want to invest in them and show them that you love them invest in their future mm-hmm. and so we've I done to- like where we've created like some fun disney stock things that we kind of mm-hmm. buy for them but then also we've got like a, an account where they can deposit into that where they cannot touch it until they're 18 years of age but it's also because they can kind of see that grow and then the long-term value of that like when they really kind of get older and the gifts start to get more expensive you've already kind of got a little bit of a nest egg set aside for them and hopefully just during the process, kind of taught them how to use that that money responsibly. I think the example of that grandma who kind of took it to the next level and really made it like this experience and this like thing between grandma and grandchild, I think is the way to really do that. I think it's very, very hard for that generation. I mean, Chris's mom, who is the giver and my mom too. I mean, like she just wants to give something that they can open. They always say it. They're like, well, I want to have her have something to open on her birthday. I want to have her have something to open on Christmas. And I get it. And there is definitely a magical piece about that, but she doesn't need to open 75 things. She can open five and have the same magical experience. And I think that that's the part that we're, I mean, it's a, it's a active conversation that I think we have very often still with our family. And that might be it. It might, you might feel um, like you're running on a hamster wheel, having this conversation with people. But I mean, the conversation isn't a hard one to have anymore. It's just like, well, what do you want for Christmas? We know that there is no negotiating. There is something that Addison's going to open on Christmas from her. So instead we said, okay, well, we'll send you a list of things. And that was our way to kind of meet in the middle. I have to brag on my parents Um, starting when my children were very young, every Christmas, they make a lump sum contribution to each grandchild's 529 and, you know, put a card on the tree that, that says we have deposited this much into each of your 529s. And it's, I mean, it's so meaningful to Mm -hmm. Steve and I, obviously, and to my brother and his wife, obviously. Um, and I think, 
the kids don't understand it now, but over time they definitely will. And I've always felt a little like, oh my God, you know, it takes my breath away a little bit. And then I was talking to our mutual financial planner who I mentioned that when we were talking about the 529s we have for our kids. And he's like, and just so you know, your parents get a great uh, tax benefit by doing that too. So, you know, just know it goes both ways. So, hey, grandparents, there's an opportunity for some, some, uh, beneficial need uh, more tax write-offs right <laughs> that, can, that can be a nice write-off if you want to contribute to your grandchildren's future college education and amanda i know you would hate this but here's another concept have the grandparents do make that donation and that be yours and steve's gift that they're giving it to your daughters because that is helping eliminate a further burden for you and st- a financial further burden for you and steve i mean that makes I sense guess- yeah, for sure. <laughs> I know you like to give your mommy your list of things that you want. <laughs> you guys, my mom loves to buy presents. So she still, <laughs> she's, no, we actually, get it. I get it. She we still get, gives gifts. Give her a really hard one to have this conversation with or They're to like rein in. Yep. Because like, I mean, it's, it, like I said, it's a dagger to Chris's mom's heart if you ever tell her not to buy something because being generous and buying something that someone can look at and think of or something that just puts a smile, that is the way to make her feel like she's a useful person on the planet. And when you really look at it like that, you you don't want to tell them not to either because it means so much to them. It's so true, but the gift of education, just because I'm paying for two, I've paid yeah. for two kids' education, it is what a relief that would have been to have had something from a grandparents to, you know, just help fill in even. It's something that I definitely, as my adult children start to have families and stuff, that will definitely be something that I want to contribute. Well, yeah, and something else that we kind of talk about that we've kind of done too. Now, every financial institution is a little bit different, but for the one where we bank at a credit union, currently, Oh, this is really good too. I forgot about this. And they, they kind of, they can create like what we call like a Christmas account. Mm-hmm. And what it is, is just throughout the year, we'll kind of contribute finances, a certain portion of percentage, however you want to allocate it into that fund. And so it's sitting there, it's a small, I mean, it's a small interest gaining account, but mm-hmm. at the same time, it's something you've already put aside. And so what's nice is now you've kind of built the nest egg and man, the, if the sense that we have, once we spend that responsibly, it's not like we're trying to, okay, I've now bought this. Now, how do I pay for it? It's good. Here's my budget. Here's what I have available. Let's see how I can kind of allocate how far I can make this go. And you can kind of determine what percentage you need to put into that or what you want that to look like every year, but you can't touch it. Yeah. Our credit so union doesn't thing. let you touch this until like November, the I first think, week in November yeah, or something. Yeah, it's like the first or second weekend in November. So it's like before Black Friday starts. And then it, it ends up being released into your checking account. So you guys all need to look in to see if your bank offers something like that because it's so nice. And because you can't touch it, like you put money in there. And if you can get to the point where you're able to budget and um, put money into it throughout the year, and then the end of the year, it doesn't hit you as hard. um, That's obviously the main goal, but like, it's so nice that our credit union offers that. Mm -hmm. That is fantastic. I've never heard of that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's such an amazing feeling too, because you already have the the finances in order. Mm-hmm. It keeps you responsible. Mm-hmm. And then at the same time, it'll hold you accountable because, okay, here's what we've got. Mm-hmm. And a lot of like, what we found is we don't even spend it all. So the next year it accumulates and it accumulates. So then if there is like this toy that you want to spoil yourself with, mm-hmm. then it's, you've already saved up for it. You've earned it mm-hmm. in my opinion. So why not reward yourself? for being responsible. And that's the way to do it. Okay. So Sarah and Chris, you are setting us up to have a really healthy conversation about uh, Christmas with our spouses, our significant others and our families. Um, 
talk about what does that do for us if we go into this with that, with a like mindset and an understanding uh, before the holidays? I think in general too, I mean, the holiday season is kind of icing on the cake, I think for a lot of couples, because it can be so stressful. And January tends to be a time of the year where um, people file for divorce the most. And I think it's kind of weird to think of your relationship in a calendar year, but I think for a couple of reasons, I think people are like, well, it's a new year and I want a new beginning. So I think people can say that's kind of some of the reason, but I think if you look at it, there's probably so much stress in your relationship and the holidays amplify everything. I mean, stress between your family, stress between your kids, financial stress. I mean, you get lack of connection throughout the holidays. I mean, a lot of couples will wake up on January and be like, cool, great to see you. Haven't seen you since Thanksgiving. Where have you been? Like, I mean, you can have all of these things that kind of compound. And if you can just take one conversation that is like a key puzzle piece for divorce, which is finances off your list of things that could stress you out, you're going to set yourself up to not be a part of that statistic for the new year. And if you can, like Chris said, have this pre-planned meeting to talk about it. And yeah, other stuff might come up. Like if you're talking about I mean, money, money's emotional. You might end up talking about stuff that might be involved in some lack of connection between the two of you. You might be bringing up some family strife between in-laws or something like that. A lot of stuff might come up, but that's okay. That's supposed to be proactive. And if you can get through it, I mean, your relationship will be better off in the new year. And hopefully you're not part of the statistic that ends up doing that in January. Well, I would say cheers to some healthy, happy holidays ahead with some amazing open communication within our relationships to make that January even better. I agree. All right, guys, you were awesome. Thank you so much. We You're really so welcome. Yes, thanks yes. for letting us talk about it. And thanks for being open to my idea when I thought about it. All right, Amanda, that conversation was worth a million. That was so much fun. And honestly, I keep thinking like, wow, Steve and I do talk so much about finance as well. Not as much as I'd like to, but a lot more than we ever did before. And having a conversation about Christmas before it even happens and really being on the same plane is going to make this all the better. I I couldn't agree more. And yeah. And then you're not, you know, you don't have one person off here, you know, buying over here and another person buying over here because that's when you tend to overspend. I mean, so if you both know which direction you're going and and Jeff loves the holidays. He really does. Like he's not a big shopper, but there's something about the holidays that he really enjoys being part of the gift giving. So we do a lot of the shopping together because he wants to be part of it. He enjoys it this one time of year. So I never want to take that from him. So I'm not ever just out at Target filling up my car and, and getting things without him because I know he really wants to be a part of it. But it also just, it prevents the overspend. I don't think I've ever been to Target with my husband. I don't know if I'm jealous or what, but I'm having some emotions right now. (laughs) He really, really, really enjoys being part of the holidays. He wants to be in on my nephew's gift. He wants to be in on our girls' gifts. And he's not like that through the year for birthdays or anything, but there's something about the holidays that's really special for him. And so he likes to be part of that process. But I will say it helps us not overspend because we're not doing our own things. See, Steve finds out what he's giving everybody on Christmas morning when he sees them open it. So maybe he just doesn't care. Right. Maybe if he was part of it, I would spend less money. Um, But yeah, I'm going to try to involve him more this Christmas. I think it's fun. And it, it, it gives you something to look forward to. Of course, we're empty nesters, too. And so we've even gotten better about doing it together. Um. 
you know, we used to just take one day out of the entire holiday season and try to get it all done. But now we have a little bit more time on our hands together. And so we'll make, you know, we plan certain trips like, hey, let's go here on this day and this day and this day and we'll get this and this and this. And so anyways, and then let's just be honest, when somebody doesn't get exactly what they had intended, it was two people making the decision as the backup gift as opposed to the other. So we kind of go in on each, you know, I'll say, well, if they don't have this, you know, let's get this one. And he'll say, no, I think this. And so well, there'll be a little bit of banter back and forth. And I feel like we always end up making um, a good decision because we made the decision together on the backup if it's not the actual gift that they had intended. Hashtag goals. Oh, That's, I don't know. I love that, Laura. Well, this conversation was definitely worth a million and might save you close to that this holidays uh, if you plan ahead. So if you enjoyed this, please share us with all the women in your life who might benefit from talking about money with friends and find us on social media. Where are we? We are on Instagram and we are on Facebook and you can receive the best friends in your weekly inbox if you subscribe and sign up at bestfriendsfinance.com. And Amanda, how do we feel about reviews. We love reviews. Reviews are how other people will find us and join the conversation. So if you're enjoying this, please drop us a five-star review um, and boost us up there on your podcast provider. We have a goal for the end of the year with our reviews. We do. do. What is our goal? We are going to try and reach a hundred five-star reviews before the end of 2020. I believe we can do it. I really do. So come on, friends, help us out. Give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, where you, wherever you listen to your podcast. Um, that's your Christmas gift to us. Did you know you were giving us a Christmas gift? That is the perfect. I couldn't think of anything we would want more. Absolutely. All right, everybody. Until next time. <laughs>